Blog Talk Radio. today. Today we are going to be continuing with the theme of uh, bringing justice to the American people and actually beyond America. We uh, are going to be focusing on a trade agreement that uh, President Obama is in China right now negotiating with the Chinese and with uh, uh, 10 other countries that are uh, becoming party to an agreement that is uh, seemingly very deleterious and onerous to uh, Americans and actually people all across the world and only in favor of uh, very few rather large uh, multinational corporations. And we'll be exploring this subject today with a few people on a roundtable designed to put this on the table in a way that... uh, we can all understand and taking it out of its legalese framework and making it into a language that everyone can understand and understand the depth of as well as the ramifications of because they're very serious. We've done a show on this subject before uh, last year with um, Mitch Jones of uh, Food and Water Watch and we went into it, dissecting it rather carefully. And it's time again because during this period of time, there's been a good amount of activism wherein people have gotten quite educated about what this agreement really is. And at the same time, uh, our national leaders are forging ahead with their own agendas. So we are very committed to people coming forward and understanding this because there's a lot of activism in the streets and with uh, different representatives in Washington with Congress and we'll be speaking about all of that with our people today. So we will be uh, starting with Rocky Anderson who many of you who listen to A Better World Radio with any regularity know his name and have heard him on these airwaves many times over the last few years when he was running for uh, president of the United States in the Justice Party in 2012 and made a valiant effort at that. Prior to that, uh, Rocky was the mayor of Salt Lake City from years 2000 to 2008. And I like to point out that during his tenure, 
He was largely responsible for reducing the carbon footprint of Salt Lake City by about 33%. He is also an attorney as well as politician. He's been in uh, law for some 21 years. He was also a member of the Democratic Party, uh, but when he uh, really discovered what the party wasn't doing, how it wasn't uh, expressing itself, uh, Rocky uh, decided to leave that party and start his own, which he has done. Another one of our guests today, when he joins us, is Gerald Salente, who has also been on our show just a little while ago, a few months back, who is a pioneer trend strategist. He is the publisher of the Trends uh, Journal and founder of the Trends Research Institute going back to 1980. He's the author of the national bestseller, Trends 2000 and Trend Tracking, uh, far better than Megatrends and publisher of the internationally distributed, as I mentioned before, quarterly Trends Journal. Uh, basically, largely a, a forecaster on different social, political, and economic issues. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have Gerald on A Better World Radio Airwaves as well. We're still waiting for him to, to arrive. And uh, our latest guest, who just came in at the last moment, and I'm very grateful for her ability to be so flexible and resilient, is Callie Katz from San Diego. Uh, Callie has a background in environmental science uh, with a BA from University of California, San Diego, and um, is also a freelance writer. She worked with Occupy San Diego and has been involved in um, the uh, global trade and global citizens movement, as well as 350.org and other uh, local as well as national political issues, focusing primarily on global issues and trade. So Kali is joining us as well. And interestingly, she is currently on her way to uh, a, a TPP march taking place around San Diego. So we'll have the latest on the ground from Kali shortly. So I'd like to open up first Rocky Anderson to welcome you to the show. It's always a pleasure to have you. Mitchell, it's really great to be with you. Uh, and I'm so glad. who ever thought that things would simply get worse and worse in terms of the one percent or now the point zero one percent having their exactly. way it's not only trend. with our nation's government but sure. with the international community. Talking about trends, Rocky, uh, it's uh, you know more serious than as you're saying than ever. What should we know? And, and it's exemplified actually by this Trans-Pacific Partnership, and uh, that you know uh, President Obama, on behalf of whom the American people is uh, is um, brokering right now as we speak. What do you feel our audience should know about this? There are so many trade agreements that have been signed in NAFTA and CAFTA and so many of the others over the past number of years, largely during Democratic, um, uh, you know, Democratic uh, presidencies, interestingly. Um, what do you feel our audience should know about this one in particular? And why is it well, so first of alarming all, it, for us? It, 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 it's really important that we learn from history. 
And it, President Clinton was a great fan of these trade agreements, as he was of deregulating Wall Street and setting us on the course toward absolute financial disaster in 2008, uh, all at the behest of the Goldman Sachs and the rest on Wall Street. Uh, but we have seen now, if you look back, the year before NAFTA took effect, the U.S. trade deficit with Canada was about $28.5 billion. Well, we enjoyed actually a $2.4 billion surplus with Mexico. So that's about a $25 billion deficit between the two. Yeah. Now after NAFTA, by 2011, the United States had a combined NAFTA deficit of $185.4 billion. And that, of course, means tremendous job loss. And that job mm -hmm. loss trickles down to everybody in our local communities. People lose their jobs. They're not spending money. It, it, there's a spiral that takes place, and it has been disastrous. So we've lost one of every four U.S. manufacturing jobs. That's five million jobs due to NAFTA and entrance into the World Trade Organization. And, and what was the conversation about it beforehand when it was being sold, quote-unquote, to the American people, Rocky? That, that this was going to be a great thing for this country. What it was, a, You know, we, we heard all this from the Democrats and the Republicans. These two parties are so in bed with the multinational corporate sector that it's like they're on retainer with these folks because they paid for their elections, they got them in there. They're, they, they turn a completely blind eye to working men and women and their families in this country and all the rest. They are doing the bidding of the very wealthiest, the most powerful, and ignoring the American people on the whole. And what happens and, when and they come TPP, home during vacation? What happens when they have to have a town hall meeting? They don't and have they're town hall meeting. They're coming face to face with their constituents. They don't have town. They don't. Who, who has a face-to-face -to -face town hall meeting anymore? The trend now is they have these phony uh, conference call so-called town halls. Jim Matheson, mm -hmm. the representative, supposedly calls himself a Democrat. That's a joke, but from uh, the district that I'm here in Utah, he's doing what everybody seems to be doing, or so many of them anyway, and that is they insulate themselves from the American people. They don't answer to anybody anymore. They vet the questions. If there's an unfriendly question, if there's something that's going to be tough for them to grapple with, they just don't deal with it. It's not like the old town halls anymore. So mm -hmm. that, of course, is degrading to our democracy. But let me get back to you asked me about the TPP. Of course. I, but I, I do think that it's really important for us to see what's happened but it's good for you to set the context the historically with NAFTA of among many, uh, where we see that on one hand something is said, and uh, in short order we see that it was really completely deceptive. It was sold to the American people the way soda pop is sold on 
on television commercials. Oh, yeah, with slogans about what a great deal this is for the United States and whatever's good for United States business is good for the people of this country. Well, it, nothing that is so absolutely anti-democratic, it's not just undemocratic, it's anti-democratic from the get-go. The process, the negotiation, uh, they want to fast-track it through Congress, which means there's no debate. It's either a thumbs-up or thumbs-down, and it's all manipulated. It's all agreed upon beforehand without any debate, without any disclosure of the American people. We don't, we don't even know most of what's going to be presented to Congress. There have been some documents leaked out, and we can talk about some of the things that are so absolutely frightening in what we do know about the TPP, but then, and this is what I don't think most people grasp, the TPP basically does away with our own legislatures, our state legislatures, our city councils, even our Congress, and our courts, and our regulatory agencies. It doesn't, it doesn't eliminate them, but it tells them you cannot do all of these things in the public interest or corporations from other countries can sue and collect U.S. taxpayers' money because they're not going to enjoy the profits they otherwise would have enjoyed. So, for instance, if the people's representatives in this country decided that GMO labeling was a good thing or the people's representatives in states or cities decided representing the public interest that we we all want to know what it is we're consuming. We want labeling of, of GMOs, genetically modified foods. Mm-hmm. Under this agreement, a company that's, that says from out of this country, a foreign corporation, could say, oh, if you pass this, we can sue because we will lose sales and you've interfered with our freedom. This is what they consider free trade. It's not fair trade at all. And the, and the exactly. freedom That's a very is only for the freedom for of the international hear. corporate community yes. to have their way with the people. Free of these trade and fair trade are not at, at all the same phenomenon. It's free to them and it's unfair to us, is exactly. what the bottom this, line is. So, yeah. so, so it, it is anti-democratic from yes. a, a, at every single level. And what's happening right now? They've had these negotiations, and actually, one of the sessions was here in Salt Lake City, and we were out demonstrating. And some people tried to get into the meetings, and of course, they had security all over the place because, God forbid, there be any transparency. And isn't it amazing? Barack right. Obama told people. us what a transparent administration. He was going to have and how how shrouded in secrecy this has been. So, But it hasn't been secret to everybody. The U.S. Trade Representative has invited about 600 trade advisors, so-called, to read the text of the documents coming out and provide feedback on the proposals. And they can access the text at any time on a secure online site. But 99% of these so-called advisors have never been elected by anybody in this country to serve the public interest. And 84% of them represent corporations, 
including pharmaceutical giants, including agribusiness uh, uh, companies, private equity yes. firms, and industry associations. These are the folks, and we know that. It's their interests that are being promoted and that will prevail if the TPP is voted on and, and approved by Congress. And certainly exactly. President Obama will sign off on it Thank because you. he's joined to the hip with, with, with the Republicans exactly. to get this through. Let me so bring on Gerald. Let me... Let me bring Gerald Salente into the conversation, and then we'll bring Kali uh, Cat in as well from San Diego. Uh, thank you, Rocky. Very, very informative, and we'll come back to you. Gerald Salente, welcome to A Better World. Oh, thanks for having me, Mitch. Absolutely. Uh, we're speaking, of course, as you know, about uh, the pending uh, trade agreement, uh, for which reason we're told uh, – Barack Obama is in China and speaking for one of the first times with the with the president of China and uh, apparently we're told they're generally speaking getting along quite famously because they're signing away the souls of both respective countries. Would you please weigh in uh, with your perspective on the TPP and uh, educate our audience about what you know? Well, I, I think Rocky, you know, really sums it up very well, and he puts it all out there. And uh, yes. but this, this is really, it's, it's really nothing new in the sense that it's a multinational takeover, at, at every level in the country. And so, I mean, this mm -hmm. is just another, this is just a, an add-on to, um, to NAFTA and, and more and more of our loss of our individual rights in so many different ways. So it's just one more multinational uh, power play that uh, leaves the people without any choice other than to abide by what they want us to do. You know, I make this very clear. I mean, first of all, you look at the, you know, all things are connected when, when you look at this. It's a much bigger picture as we look at it as, a, as a, uh, a, a trend forecasting team. And that is that you go back to the elections, the midterm. What is it, 36 point something people turned out to vote? They've lost exactly. faith in the system. You look yes. at the jobs that people are getting. What are you going to do? There's no climbing up the ladder anymore. What do you put the ladder against the Best Buy or Walmart building? Mm -hmm. Where do you go? You climb up to Staples? It's been a deregulation of laws that used to give us the, the freedom to make this place the land of opportunity. Those, they're gone now. It's not the land of opportunity it used to be. It, it, where they, they deregulated from Glass-Steagall, the financial sector, to the Robinson-Patman Act, Sherman Antitrust Act. When I came in uh, talking about NAFTA, you go to one act after another that was put into place. It's been taken away from us. And the, this, now as the, the headlines, as you, you, you look about the, uh, what's going on with Obama's uh, uh, trip to, to China, What's the headline on Bloomberg? Obama seeks to break logjam on Trans-Pacific Trade Deal. Mm -hmm. and, and this being kept away from us, what the details are? Well, why should they give us any details? Everything else is secret. 
We're not allowed to know what NSA is spying on us about. We're not allowed to know anything. So this is just another uh, element. When I look at the government, as I said, this is not democracy. It's the merger of state and corporate powers. And by definition, it's called fascism. And you have it right in front of us. So we could put all the labels we want onto it, but let's grow up about it. We don't have any rights anymore. It's a fascist takeover. It's a corporate takeover. Yes, yes. The little that has leaked out, uh, Lori Wallach of Public Citizen and uh, Global Trade Watch has come forward with, as have others. And uh, I'll just, you know, uh, mention some of the points that both of you were making Rocky Anderson and Gerald Salente, offshore millions of American jobs, again, we should say, roll back Wall Street reforms, the little ones that have actually uh, been accomplished during this administration, um, sneak in SOPA-like threats to Internet freedom, i.e. threaten Internet neutrality, ban by American policies needed to create green jobs, jack up the cost of medicines that should be even further, expose the U.S. to unsafe food uh, food products, um, and empower corporations to attack our environmental and health safeguards that have been so hard won since the 60s and the 70s. And I would add this uh, point, Rocky, that you were making that, uh, yes, it is just another notch in the belt, Gerald, but the point that all governments, ours and all others, would be essentially subordinated to the will of the TPP that itself is run by virtually no elected official, no voted on official, not that that means a whole lot anyway, but still in all, essentially those 600 advisors are essentially form their own justice system, and they're hired by the um, by the mega corporations. So we're we're this is a uh, it is another notch in the belt, Gerald. But on another hand, it's also a profoundly serious one at that. It's it's sort of like a quantum leap beyond even the harassment that we are all experiencing as people who have once tasted democracy. Callie Cat, I'd like to bring you in on the conversation here uh, into the roundtable. Thanks for joining us at the last minute here. Uh, Callie, you're an interesting woman. You're uh, a woman with her feet on the ground in activism. Can you speak a little bit about what's going on and the movements that are taking place uh, both locally in San Diego and nationally in regard to educating people about the uh, this trade agreement? Sure. Hi. I'm glad to be on with you guys. And Welcome I think to, uh, that great to have you. Yeah, and I think everyone has done a great job of of, you know, explaining what's wrong with the TPP. I don't really know too many people who like the TPP other than the six hundred corporations who are privy to the negotiations. But um yeah. yeah, there's a national week of action going on right now. Um, the 8th through the 14th, and you can find out a lot more info about it at stopfasttrack.com. And here in San Diego, we're having a rally in front of Congresswoman Susan Davis's office because she is just one of those uh, handful of Democratic Congress reps that still has not, you know, committed to voting against 
fast-track legislation. So when we have actions down here in San Diego, we put a lot of pressure on her. Um, and, you know, on uh, nationally, there's tons of actions going on all week. You can go to stopfasttrack.com and see all the actions going on. Like, there's way too many to name. Um, sure. But, yeah, there's a lot going on. And we've been tweeting, you know, Facebooking, doing the social media thing, and encouraging people to contact their Congress reps, whoever well, they are, and ask them to outlining, not fast track. You're outlining basically two completely related but distinct issues. One is the treaty, uh, I should say, the trade agreement itself and the onerous aspects of it, as was you know, well outlined here. And the other is fast-track legislation. That, could you explain what, what that is? Right. I mean, basically, it, it does get a little bit complicated, and you can always Google it to really get in, in detail of it. But the basics of it is that fast-track legislation will fast-track the TPP to, the Obama's, to Obama's desk or you know, whoever is the president at that time's desk for signature, and it, it really leaves Congress out of the negotiation process. Um, well, basically, and, you know, it's we an up-or-down vote. Rocky, isn't that correct? Right. A fast-track is... It's a That's yes right. or a no. There's no discussion. They're saying they will allow no amendments. Why would Congress allow their hands to be tied when it comes to the public interest of the American people, whether it's safety of food products, whether it's making medicines far more expensive, the loss of American jobs? These we know are going to be the impacts of the TPP as well as the, the, the horrendous degradation of our democracy in the midst of this corporate coup. Yes, corporate coup, as Gerald said, it's uh, it's been a corporate takeover, and not to mince words, it's what, this is the definition of fascism. Uh, it's done with a velvet glove, so it doesn't appear to be fascistic, but in reality, when you take the glove off, that's what you see, and we see various uh, activities taking a place across the nation, such as the militarization of local police forces, of people being arrested for feeding the homeless in their community, even if you happen to be a minister, and the people uh, who are hungry happen to be war veterans. You know, it, it, the, none of this matters. You're actually subject to jail time if you do that action in a few particular places in the country. So uh, where does that leave us? Where, where are we? What can we, Mitchell, what can we do about this? Can, can I say one thing, Mitchell? Please, it, it, it wasn't that long ago, and we're still Just feeling the ramifications. We had an economic meltdown that hurt unbelievably the middle class and the poor in this country. Uh, pension plans were... Uh, on the whole, 40% or more uh, decreased because the value that people had built up in these pension plans just gone because of this financial disaster. People, people losing their homes. Uh, the ramifications have been horrendous. Not for the very wealthy. They actually came out ahead because of all of this, and other people are still struggling. Now, to prevent that, we need regulations, we need protections against the kinds of risky 
conduct that led to that economic meltdown. One of the things we need is a restoration of the Glass-Steagall Act, which was repealed by President Clinton and, and the Congress during his administration. And that's when he had the former CEO of Goldman Sachs as his Treasury Secretary orchestrating all of that. We, yes. we need regulation of these toxic derivatives and the credit default swaps that help lead to this disaster. That's in the, yeah. the interest of the American people. That's what FDR would have done. That's what he did do following the Depression to fix things. And they were fixed in that regard until we started deregulating and allowing the, the centralization, the, the uh, centralized control of both commercial and investment banks and insurance companies. Well, it, if our representatives, people representing, supposed to be representing public interest, decided they're going to finally do this under the TPP, they would be prevented from doing it. It's just unbelievable. These, mm -hmm. This deal worked out by these, uh, these multinational corporations they would be, in essence, substituting themselves as a sovereign for our Congress, our regulators, and even an administration that wanted to do something to protect the interests of the American people. That, that alone, yes. that provision alone, Agreed. would spell Agreed. It's, ultimately it's disaster. Exactly. Scary. So my question is this from that. Under the circumstances, we can let's say that we can uh, stretch our imaginations far enough to see that that uh, president and Congress are all doing the bidding of the multinationals. These are the play players that put the money into their campaign coffers, and they are bought and paid for, and have been so for a long, long time. Uh, but it uh, let's even say it's gotten even worse. It went from bad to worse. However. Uh, unless we throw the Justice Department into the same bag, which wouldn't be far off at all, is there an argument that could be made by groups such as the ACLU, others, Public Citizen, Global Trade Watch, and others, that could petition by litigation that these actions, this treaty, this, I'm sorry, trade agreement is completely unconstitutional? Is there a case to be made, Gerald? Would you uh, weigh you in? You know, on that? I would say I would say if there's a case to be made, no case will be made. Uh, it won't be stopped like that. It, it's going to be very, as I see it, considering you know, again, looking at the elections and seeing how the people have lost trust in in both houses of Congress, you know, the Senate and 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 the House, and um, I think a new poll just came out today that they're um, perception of the Democrats, the Gallup poll, is at an all-time low since they've been polling since 1992. You know, you're not going to it's – it's a complete takeover. And when you yeah. see those kind of returns coming in, as I said, with this election, was it a 72-year low, 1942 was the last time so few people turned out? Uh, there's there's a, really a hopelessness. There's no hope and yeah. change you could believe in. I mean, so how do you stop it? I don't know. You know, and I and uh, again, it's it's a takeover at every level. And you pointed out, you know, we have to abide the letter of the by the letter of the law. 
look what just went on. They they just uh, fined a couple of banks a few mil- billion dollars for manipulating yeah. the forex, the the 5.3 trillion dollars a day worth of currency trades, 5.3 trillion a day. It's rigged. Unbelievable. So what I'm saying yeah. is the entire system at every level is rigged. It's a multinational takeover. We're coming out with the top trends for 2015. One of them is going to be bankism, not capitalism. This is not capitalism. Mm. Capitalism mm. is dead. It's, it, this is a controlled yeah. operation by the multinationals and the banks. Period paragraph. It makes them. It makes it easier for them to do what they want. Rocky was ter- talking about before the standard of living, how it's declined since the panic of 08. Median household incomes below 1999 levels. Young people can't afford to buy homes anymore. New home buying sales for 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 new entries is at is at an all time low. On and on and on. So all that you what you're going to see is I see it is that it's going to be continuing loss of rights as long as we have the current system in place. Then who's going to stop it? Yes, 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 yes. I have a suggestion what, about that. Go on, you're please. For solutions, Mitchell? Yeah, yeah I want to hear it, too. Yes, it definitely. all comes down to us. Every single mass movement in this country has pushed social progress forward, but it took not electing people that we thought were the right people, it took people organizing, mobilizing, being tenacious as hell, being creative, and letting those who are in power know we're not going away. We are not going to let up. And it may yeah. mean civil disobedience. It may mean taking over cities, shutting business down. It may mean boycotts. How, how did the farm workers' movement prevail? Boycott. They boycotted right. grapes, and they They and rode they their won. tractors onto the lawn of Washington, D.C. in the White House, just about. How did the Civil Rights yeah. Movement prevail? It wasn't from electing yeah. the right people. Martin Luther King Jr. stopped by to talk to Lyndon Johnson in the White House after the Civil Rights Act was passed, and he said, okay, now's the time for a Voters' Rights Act, and Lyndon Johnson said, nah, it's way too early. We've got to, it's, This country isn't ready for it. Martin Luther King Jr. said, really? Went back. They hit the streets in Selma. It, it <laughs> caught national attention. There was some violence against them, and that caused more and more support. Lyndon Johnson called a joint se- session of Congress, gave one of the greatest speeches you'll ever read, amazingly mm-hmm. impassioned speech about the need for a, an Equal Voting Rights Act, and it was passed mm-hmm. within months. Mm, we have got yeah. to respond the same way. And I know that this In other you know, words, this, yes. this doesn't have the same resonance, perhaps, because it's not so easily grasped. But that's our job, to make it yeah. easily grasped and let people see our Constitutional Republic is going down the toilet. These folks are flushing. You know, yes, you're right. Let's let everybody know you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin. We're on every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today we are focusing on the subject of the the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, about which uh, President Obama is in uh, China right now, speaking with his his, uh, colleagues there. uh, And... uh, 
it's a very treacherous slope as uh, my guests, Rocky Anderson, Gerald Salente, and Kelly Cat are making clear. And uh, most people really don't even have a clue about what it is that's going on about this, which is why we here at A Better World wanted to have yet another show about this and dedicate a complete show to the subject because we all need to learn about what is going on behind our backs, and it's even behind the backs of our Congress people. not that there are any help as has been made clear in this dialogue, but nonetheless, even they are privy only to certain portions of this onerous agreement. Some have leaked out, and they are in the press. And people such as our other guest, Callie Cat, is on the street. In fact, she's currently driving to a TPP um, uh, protest. So, Callie, from the, from the street, uh, tell us a little bit more about what you have seen going on and what else is planned in terms of educating, you know, the uh, rank-and-file public about what's going on. Yeah, you know, we just have been keeping the action uh, strong on our Congress rep down here in San Diego. This is the second rally that we have had in front of her office um, in the past couple months, and actually the fourth rally just in San Diego in general and I do want to say I have to agree that acts of civil disobedience and getting out on the street and protesting may be what it takes to get this to turn around at some point in the future. Um, I always say, you know, if the if the cops are after you or if they're watching what you're doing, you're doing something right. And the last time the cops were watching me or after what I was doing was during Occupy, um, I actually got arrested protesting down there. And it also is true that the night after they arrested 51 of us, the next day our civic center was filled with people who had seen the violence that had um, taken, been taken on us by the police and coming down to the civic center to support us. Um, we had never had more people down there than we did that night after the police had came and raided us. So, you know, sometimes that's what it takes. You know, I did get arrested in Occupy. I can't say I want to get arrested tonight uh, at this rally in front of Susan Davis's office. In fact, I'm sure I don't. Um, but, you know, hopefully at some point in the future there is another national movement that gets people out in the streets or at least talking about this because I think that's also another good point that most people really don't have any clue as to what these trade agreements even are, what's going on with them. I was on the local news last week when Vice President Joe Biden was in town. I have a really funny video of me on KUSI, and the reporters, that's a local news station here, the reporters were like, what are they protesting? TPP? What's that? And it's like they... Even the local reporters have absolutely no clue as to what the TPP or these trade agreements are. Um, well, in your so, efforts, you know, yeah, no, that's a, a very amusing story. In your efforts to educate the, you know, the people on the street, the the efforts you're making locally in San Diego, uh, what are people's responses when they do start to understand what the ramifications of this agreement are? 
I think it's pretty easy to find people who oppose the TPP because almost everybody I talk to about it, once they find out about it, they oppose it as well. Um, yes. I yeah. work with people from the unions to the labor unions to the, the Sierra Club um, to the local Move On chapters. You know, I work with the local business coalition because TPP is a problem for business. It's not a problem for multinational corporations, but for small and average-sized businesses, it's also a problem for well, really also for including for mm-hmm. national labor unions. It's a problem. Gerald, it's could you speak problem. to that a little bit? Well, you know, I I, I think you know it's it's. It's one of these these issues, and I think Rocky uh, as well hit upon it. It's a tough one for the public to grasp. You know, what's a Trans-Pacific yes. Partnership? And sure. and um, when when you see how limited public involvement is at so many different levels, you know, this is really a tough one. And and it's not that I'm opposed to doing this. I'm all for it. As a matter of fact, on a very different level, but the same. Uh, we're holding on May 2nd here in Colonial Kingston, New York. We're launching OccupyPeace.us. Uh, mm, I saw that Based on, your on no foreign yeah. entanglements, you know, bring home the troops. But what we're doing with this is we're giving takeaways with it. So what we're in the planning stages now, so this is, a, this is going to be a rally where people will have a takeaway and we, we haven't formalized them yet, but this is what you do in each state so that we have a say in different areas of defense spending or whether or not to go to war. So, you yeah. know, we, we're try, we're try, I agree with Rocky that it has to be a grassroots movement, and it's the people power that change it. This is really a tough one because the majority of the people have no idea what this is. They don't under, so if you tell them, you know, that uh uh it 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 prioritizes corporate rights over the rights of government and uh, uh to regulate and and for sovereign nations to govern their own affairs, you know, it goes over their head. You know, it's it's really a tough one to fight. That doesn't mean it can't be won. But I just don't have the answers for it. And then you talk about the unions, and and Rocky was talking about before with the, you know, the farmers' uh, strikes. We yep. don't have that kind of cohesiveness anymore. We don't have that union power anymore. So this is really going to be a tough one. When you when you as a forecaster and studier of trends. What do you see the United States of America looking like in approximately 12 months from now, assuming this gets passed, because virtually all the probability is in that direction? It's going to be more of the same but worse. Again, you know, you're going to see more jobs leaving. You're going to see more rights being taken away from us. And, and as was, Callie was pointing out, it's going to hurt the small business people even more. So, again, you know, I'm old enough to remember when there used to be pharmacists, drugstores. There used to be stationery yeah. stores and hardware stores. Now what do we yeah. have? CVSs, Staples, Home Goods, Lowe's. So what they're right. doing is they're, 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 what, they're, what they've taken away from the people is the unification for the people to be individuals so that they could fight for their individual rights and not lose them. They've lost them already. 
So, so many people, particularly the millennial generation, they, they don't they don't know what it used to be. They're, they think that there were malls, WalMarts, and and uh, Targets that, for all of their lives. They didn't yeah. know that Main Street used to rule. So what we have, what we're, we're losing here now, and what makes it so difficult to fight it, is a cohesive base. And again, the mm-hmm. unions aren't what they used to be. They're a shadow of what they used to be. So you don't have that support to build the the grassroots movement. I think this is going to be, not that I say it can't be stopped. I don't know what to do. And I'm trying to do the things where we know what to do. Like we're taking on the whole, the whole, uh, the military industrial complex issue. Yeah. This one, I, I just don't have a grasp Occupy Peace, on. right? With Occupy yeah. Peace, yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, it's a, it's a part of a movement that Callie is doing on the street there. Rocky, you're referring to kind of the historical record of what has, elicited uh, or forced social change. It seems like it's always a powerful external shock that needs to occur, like an electrical shock, uh, because left to its own devices, it looks like the, the, the mechanisms of our democracy for a long, long time have not been really designed to serve the people. You know, um, and it's uh, it's tragic. I mean, even going back to FDR's time, uh, when uh, he uh, had Wallace as his uh, vice president, and then there was the the slipping in of Truman at the last minute. I mean, this is uh, another tragedy that most people don't have any idea about, and I've learned about uh, in more detail only myself recently about how tragic that was. And he was denouncing the Democratic Party back then in the, in the 1940s of being, in a sense, too Republican-like, sold out to money interests rather than to humanitarian and democratic principles. Could you comment yeah, on that? Yeah, we likely would not have had a Cold War with Russia had Henry Wallace remained as vice president. If the, if the kingmakers within the Democratic Party hadn't pulled their shenanigans and uh, vacated the convention five minutes or less before the vote was to be taken, uh, Henry Wallace would have been president after FDR died, and everything would have been different. You, you, you read the uh, history of the... The Cold War and what Truman did and how he was influenced by those who were tied into the military-industrial complex, it, it's, it, it's one of the saddest episodes, if not the saddest episode of our nation's history. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, and we're seeing exactly. it again now. Gorbachev is warning us we're headed into yet another Cold War with Russia. Yes. I mean, I just heard today about troops being moved and uh, they could be moved and ships as close as the Gulf of Mexico, you know. Did anyone else hear that on the news today? No, I didn't hear that. Yeah. No, no, I heard that. Uh, maybe it was on uh, Democracy Now! I heard something of that sort. Uh, I mean, it's 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 menacing. It's, it's getting menacing and Putin is, you know, and uh, it's not like I'm making people wrong. It's just that these are the this is the way people respond and react to the to US aggression which is multinational aggression which is a point 
that keeps being made here. Kelly, when you take the temperature of the rallies that you're attending and you're also part of planning across the country relative to the TPP, uh, what do you see? Do you see hope on the streets? Do you see um, a sense of encouragement that we're going to be able to defeat this? What is your sense of what's going on? Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. People get a little bit um, frustrated when you're fighting something for years and years, and people have been fighting this for a long time now. So, you know, some people are kind of like, really? The TPP still? (laughs) But, um, you know, the unions are really amped up right now. I have to say that the AFL-CIO came out with a campaign just a couple weeks ago with ads in a subway station in D.C., I think, and... um, you know, just now I just was, while you guys were talking, I had you on mute and I was dropping signs off to the protests and the communication workers are out here um, already waiting for me. So, you know, I think people are ready to fight and there is a big fight ahead of us. I do, it does seem like we might, you know, win or bypass Fast Track hopefully this year. Um, hopefully it won't you know, come up in lame duck, and if it does come up, hopefully it won't win a vote. Um, but I'm sure it's not going to go away into 2015. And how close? Uh, how close is the um, it, is it to being defeated or ginned through the fast track? Well, you know, everything as we know, a lot of things just changed because of the election. But um, we have put a lot of pressure on the Congress reps, and that's where. I think right now we feel like the vote will be in the House, and we're really putting pressure on the Congress reps. And, you know, in in San Diego, one Congress rep, Scott Peters, says he will not vote for fast track. But then we have another Congress rep, Susan Davis, who is just kind of, oh, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. She will not commit to it. So, um, you know, that's why we're at her office and not Scott Peters. Um, so I don't know, and I'm not really sure what the new Congress members who will be coming into office next year, we're going to have to get to them and get their commitments to vote against Fast Track. And I think, you know, whether they're Democrat or Republican, it doesn't matter um, what yeah. party they're in. We need to have them understand that their constituents don't want them to vote for Fast Track. And I want to say stop Fast Track dot com again is a great tool because if you go there with your phone, or any computer, and you put your phone number in, it'll call your phone and connect you to your elected local rep. So, and you can talk to them about not voting for Fast Track. track, StopFastTrack.com. Right. Okay, very good. That's very useful. That's very useful. Uh, Rocky, I'd love for you to uh, weigh in again in our our closing minutes. Please uh, share with us your, your... last thoughts you want our audience to know and to what you feel beyond what's been said so far or to reiterate where you feel we need to go. Mitchell, it is absolutely subversive to our constitutional republic, to our constitution, to the, the public interest now and in the future, to allow the multinational corporate sector with their puppets who are in office now to put together an agreement in secret that is going to tie the hands of the people's representatives 
not only people's representatives, but uh, the, the regulators in the future, to the point where the, the American taxpayer can, can be held accountable through money judgments by a tribunal set up by the secret body if the public interest is promoted by any kind of new regulations or legislations. It, it, we, it is so un-American. And, and you know, I, I don't want this downplayed. I don't want to say that this is just yet another one of these trade agreements. This is absolutely unprecedented. And yes, anybody that considers themselves a patriotic American citizen, they need to understand the importance of this. It can't be one of those matters that after the fact they look back and say, gee, I didn't know about that. Well, it's your responsibility to know about it. And then it's your responsibility to act and to, to get the word out to other people and do everything you can to organize and mobilize. And I mean, we've seen people. You know, the, the fact that there were 36% turnout in this last election, that, that, that's shameful. And I'm not going to blame it on Congress or the president for turning people off. I blame it on the American people for not getting engaged. Mm-hmm. And it's time that we get engaged, not just going to the polls, but every single day doing everything that we can to turn this around. Yes, I agree. Do you, you know, in different ways of voting, of course, the uh, other way is by voting with the dollar, as we say. You know that if you continue to support the um, the multinationals and the big box stores and the national chains, you're uh, every bit as much of the problem as they are. However, if you go local, if you if you uh, vote with your dollars locally, with from local farmers and local stores, and Gerald, as you were talking about, the ma and pa shops, uh, which, you know, of course, on every main street they remain. Do you think that this is a way, if there were, let's say, major, major national divestiture in this kind of way of supporting local economies in this kind of way, we could make some dent in, in what's proceeding? Well, you know, break the chains is one of the things we've been talking about for years, but it, it's a rough one. You know, just to, a little on the, staying with this uh, for a minute with the uh, with the trade agreement. I, I just got an email, ironically, and I never heard from this group before, and they're called the Coalition for a Prosperous America, and it begins with the president of like the, the multinationals to me. Sorry, well, I'm, I I'm just telling you what like I got. I'm not supporting it. I'm not saying anything. I'm just telling you what I got. The president, yeah. the multinationals, the media are back at it again. The newspaper articles and editorials are full of talk about the White House and Republicans being able to pass fast track and trade agreements. Obama's trip to Asia has accelerated the inside the beltway chatter. But none of that matters if you continue if you continue pressure on Congress. Your emails to Congress to help prevent the passage of the Fast Trade Authority, a.k.a. Trade Promotion Authority Bill, which would have allowed the executive branch to sign trade agreements before allowing Congress an opportunity to read them. A fast-track bill would have eliminated the ability of your representative in Congress to craft a trade agreement that works for you. The Founding Fathers gave Congress the power over trade anyway, 
This group is totally against it. I don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. They're called the Coalition for a Prosperous America. And uh, I would suggest that, you know, you consider looking at it. It's it's sure. www.prosperousamerica.org, and their and their thing is no to fast track in the lame duck session. Excellent. Prosperousamerica.org. Callie, yes, that will I be know good not, for you I, to have as well. I know nothing about it. As I said, I just got this email. I think I right. think Young used to call this synchronicity. <laughs> he did. Oh, it came in during our show. Yes. <laughs> Maybe somebody's listening to the show or or whatever. Yes, but it's it's exactly. a, it's a mass email, and um, uh-huh. I, I it just came in. Let me check to see if I got that. <laughs> That's very interesting. I like that. You know, I'd like to share with you uh, something that occurred. I had I uh, have had this posted on our website, abetterworld.tv, for some time. In fact, I uh, passed it on to Gary Null sometime, and he read it over the air as well. It's uh, titled, Help Stop Infinito Infinito Gold's $1 billion Lawsuit Against Costa Rica. Now, mind you, this has nothing directly to do with the Trans-Pacific Trade Agreement, because this is something that happened maybe about a year or so ago. But it says this, Infinito Gold, a Canadian mining company, just slapped Costa Rica with a $1 billion lawsuit because the nation decided to protect its rainforests rather than host an open-pit gold mine. Infinito Gold is threatening a $1 billion lawsuit against Costa Rica for rejecting a toxic open-pit gold mine after massive protests from local citizens. And uh, so here, this is interesting, this is something that has been in place uh, for at least a year where a private corporation feels that it has the legal standing to sue a government because of the profits they will not get because the government was actually interested in doing the bidding of its people, which is unusual in itself, but even when it does happen, and it can happen more often in a place like Costa Rica, which is very eco-friendly by definition for lots of good reasons, um, even when they try to support uh, or go along with the people's vote, they were getting sued. So what, what kind of world is that? Well, it's, whether it's in that or whether it's in finance, I mean, look what happened with uh, with Argentina. They they, they 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 have to pay the hedge funds that made the bond bets. Yes. You know, so yes. it's again, it's a multinational takeover at every level. It is, it is. And Rocky, your point, and I I agree with you completely. Well, it yes, it is another notch in the belt. It's it's it is a good deal more than that because of the jurisdictional issue of of corporations really being able to uh, have the upper hand legally, not just financially, but legally to subordinate the will of the people and uh, their representatives, for instance, in, in Congress or in a given parliament across the world, to its will. And therefore, it really stands in a class of its own. 
there was, I, I'd be interested in if any of you remember, in the early 1990s, there was something called, I believe it was the MIA, the Multilateral Agreement on Investments, I believe it was, which had some provisions that were very similar to this. Does that ring a bell with the, any of you? No. 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 Okay. It was something I was involved in uh, from some activity I was uh, involved in at the uh, United Nations and from some of my associates there I learned about it. But I remember it ultimately was something that was, uh, I don't know if it originated in France, but it was being hotly debated there, and uh, ultimately it was defeated. But it was virtually a precursor of this TPP agreement. So... Well, listen, uh, final words I'd love to get from you, Gerald, and then turn to Rocky and Callie, and we'll uh, wrap this up. I, I feel it's been very informative. I, as has been said here, um, most Americans are very involved in their own lives and sometimes a little too involved in their, in their uh, texting activity, and they really are not seeing the forest for the trees and not lifting their head up high enough to see the larger global situation and what's going on and how horrific, as you keep saying, Rocky, horrific this particular treaty is and the way it would literally change, as you've been saying, Gerald, our future. And uh, what, what that would look like, I don't know. But last words you have for our audience, Gerald. Well, I agree with both with Rocky and Callie. It takes the human effort, the, the, the human spirit, uh, and when people change, everything changes. And all you, the critical mass doesn't have to be that large. It just has to be critical in the sense that it has a direction, a purpose. And one of the, the most important things that I see with rallies is that they need something where the people can do something uh, that's tangible to stop it. And, and the more of that that could happen, you know, like this thing about, you know, send your congressman an email, you know. I, I mean, enough yeah. with this petition stuff. It doesn't work. Yeah. You know, plays, I shouldn't say it doesn't work. It, it plays a minimal role. And, and most of the mm -hmm. time it doesn't work. But, you know, it needs mm -hmm. to, something tangible, uh, a, a real takeaway to me is what's needed to make it real. And, and, to, and to make the pain felt of what it's going to cost. A loss of rights is something that's too uh, – it, it, we've lost so many already, so, people, you know, so what, what's new about that? You know, so it, to me, it needs something tangible that they could grab onto, and I don't have the answer that will make it work as a more effective protest movement. Well, I very much appreciate, Gerald Salante, your input again today on A Better World. Uh, it's, it's very, very um, enlightening and useful. Appreciate it. And what you're doing with uh, Occupy Peace in uh, Colonial, as you say, Colonial Kingston, such a beautiful town. I know it well, uh, I think, is uh, so much heading in the right direction. If people want more information about that, or if they would like to participate, where would they go? OccupyPeace.us. Uh, we've gotten permission to close down the most historic corners in the United States, the only place where there's a pre-revolutionary war stone building on each corner. And this is where the uh, New York State Constitution was written, of which 90% of the American Constitution was taken from. 
And so the seeds of democracy were really sown here, as well as other places, of course. But So we're trying to restore that democracy. Very interesting. Excellent. And, of course, that constitution was predicated on the Iroquois Nation's constitution. Is that correct? That's right. There we go. All goes back to the land. Gerald Salente, thanks so much, and thank, thank you for you. your good work in Trends Journal. Absolutely. Trendsjournal.com. And uh, we'd really encourage people to go and uh, check it out. Gerald, thanks again. We'll have you on another time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rocky Absolutely. and Kelly. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, Kelly, I'd like to turn to you because I'd like to finish with Rocky. Uh, so, Kelly, I know you're also on your being called <laughs> where you are to get into action on the street. It's beautiful. I so appreciate your being able to take the time out to uh, talk with us. Final words for our audience. Or did we lose her before I even know it? Um, that may have happened. Uh, Callie, are you there? I have a feeling she put us on mute while she's dealing with uh, various players there. Okay. She's already occupied with Occupy. So uh, so be that. Um, Rocky, you, you're such a spokesperson for... Um, the one-tier justice system and the power of the Constitution and the uh, profound um, horror of its being violated as simply and easily as it is uh, one time after another in our constitutional democracy. Uh, I'd love to just hear what you have to say to uh, to wrap up this discussion. Well, I, I think that we all need to understand the pragmatic implications. If we don't want higher medicine costs as the people, we need to understand under the TPP that's what we're going to have because they're the, part of what these folks are planning is patent extensions. So that would take cheaper generic drugs off the market for longer and the pharmaceuticals once again would benefit. That's the kind of thing they're doing behind closed doors the prevention of financial protections so that we don't face another meltdown like we had, the, the prohibition against food safety laws. If we wanted to extend food safety laws beyond TPP restrictions, we would be subject to – all of that would be subject to challenge as an illegal trade barrier before these foreign trade tribunals that the TPP is setting up. It is so unbelievably subversive to what this nation is all about. It's, it's so degrading to our democracy. And, you know, yeah. if somebody else was coming in and taking over our country and putting in place all these controls, we would rise up. We'd say, you know, our military needs to go after them. We need to all rise up and oppose this in every way we can. Yeah. But we're letting these people silently perpetrate this corporate coup on our nation. And we need to realize the TPP is being negotiated by and in the interests of the wealthy and the powerful, and it is a total screw job for the American people and for any semblance of democracy that's left in this country. 
how right you are, how right you are. I, I, this is going to sound like a uh, an overly simplistic question, but you know they're selling out and they're selling out. And uh, I began thinking that uh, uh, presidents, obviously including this one, should actually be uh, considered um, high level. They should be instead of <laughs> any other award they should be uh up for oscar nominations for best actor because when you listen to the verbiage when you listen to the rhetoric whether it's about this or about the ndaa or uh the other pieces of legislation a keystone pipeline you would think that they were doing the world a great and their people who they are supposedly representing, a tremendous service and favor. But the reality, of course, is just the opposite. So the, the skill of acting and being able to look authentic and sincere in the sound bites on television is remarkable. It's a remarkable skill because the truth is so contrary. So I was just wondering, in your estimation, how could President Obama represent in any way, shape, or form the value of the trade agreement to and for the American people? Same way Bill Clinton did. They just they just stand up there and look all sincere and say, this is going to be a good thing for the American people, and we need to make this happen. And he never addresses what the results are going to be. The prevention Mm -hmm. of financial protections, higher medical costs, uh, the prohibition of GMO labeling, the limitations on food safety laws. It goes on and on, and every bit of that is against the public interest and in the interest of those multinational corporations that buy these people into office. Mitchell, this is why I co-founded the Justice Party. It's why I spent a year of my life campaigning to try to shake yes. people up, to get them to understand what is happening in this country. And it goes beyond this. I mean, we, we have sacred treaty obligations, uh, not only to, to refrain from torturing human beings, but to vigorously prosecute those who do. Every single day, the people are not held accountable for torture. It's a violation of the Convention Against Torture. This president, his administration and Congress, they just... Brush it aside. So we, we see this over and over and over again. Uh, the illegal wiretapping of American citizens, probably the, 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 the most intrusive wiretapping, the most extensive illegal wiretapping of American citizens happened right here in Salt Lake City for a period of up to six months before and during the Olympics. The contents of every single person their texts and their emails was was gathered by the NSA and it is still stored. While you were no. mayor? While I was mayor, that was happening. And I've said, I called the Electronic Frontier Foundation, I called the ACLU, I called the Center on Constitutional Rights, and they're all, you know, they have all the excuses that they're too busy or they've got these other cases or whatever. How can you not challenge the most... Egregious, immense violation ever. It's 
probably a million and a half people. The contents of every one of their email and their texts. And I only raise this not not to divert to that topic, but it is no, no, it's, it's about. part of. But it, it's emblematic of the issues we're facing as a nation is. and as a people. And it goes yeah. to how sedate the American people are, how apathetic, how ill-informed they are. You know, they may know all sorts of things about uh, basketball and baseball and football statistics and spending hours and hours. I mean, it really has become the opiate of the people in this country. Well, the multinational corporations are having their way with us. And once again, uh, what I'm afraid of is we're going to look back and so many people are going to say, gee, how did that ever happen? Well, it happened because you weren't paying attention to what really matters and you didn't stand up and you didn't have the courage to go to other people and organize and mobilize and stand up against us to stand up against the corrupting influence of money in politics and government well i'm glad you brought that up because uh it's another i don't even know if i'd use the word tributary it's more than that but uh, just as the NSA eavesdropping on all the activity during the Olympics uh, when you were mayor in Salt Lake City, Rocky, so the passage of Citizens United has caused more destruction of democratic process in this country than perhaps any other decision uh, or law that has been passed ever. I mean that's that's how I see it because we now have a uh such a um a a robust series of organizations that are funneling dark money into campaigns and nobody can find out who's behind it because they're not legally obligated to disclose and there's no limit as to the amount of money that can be funneled so this was the most expensive Lesson. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, election that has taken place in all of of uh, U.S. history at a midterm, some four Mitchell, and a half billion yeah. dollars. I yes, I, I agree. It was an atrocious decision, and a, and it ought to be unwound through a constitutional amendment and more. But we already yes. had a perverse, corrupt electoral system before Very Citizens true. United, and it's no excuse. It. 36% turnout in this country during a midterm election? Correct. There, there is no excuse for that other than people's apathy, people's lack of, of accountability themselves, a sort of narcissism that is set in us. I think especially, I hate to say it, but with a lot of young people who, yep. because their vote isn't going to be determinative, then they're not, they have no community spirit about it. That, that, well, yes. if their vote isn't going to make the difference, then they're not going to go. They don't understand that their vote, along with everybody else's, that the categorical imperative ought to be applied, and that is that each of us needs to do what everybody else in our same circumstances should do. And uh, yes, exactly. We all exactly. need to become engaged, and we need to be informed. And if we don't, these folks are going to continue to have their way with us. And and. Time is running short I mean, in terms of uh, I mean, look at the impacts of climate change, look at the impacts of financial deregulation, 
look at the impacts of a healthcare system where millions of people are Hello? still uninsured in this country, and medical costs are way, way out of line. In Lenox Hill Indeed. Hospital in New York, where you are, yes, thirty-three hundred dollars for five stitches to treat a minor cut on a man's thumb that he cut while he was cutting an avocado. $3,300. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's no other industrialized nation where it would come anywhere close to that. And and they all have coverage. So it's... we yeah. we have allowed this yeah. to happen because we've sat back uninformed, unengaged, and we've got to take the responsibility. We need to stop pointing the finger at everybody else and saying, yeah, what they're doing is wrong, but that's what these people do. Wall Street, of course they're greedy. That, you, that's why they're on yeah. Wall Street. Everything <laughs> is about yeah. money, and, and uh, there's never enough for these folks. Yes, so exactly. If we're, if we're going to rein them in, the pathology. It, it's not yeah. going to happen just by sitting back and saying, oh, I'll wait till the next election. It's not a, at it, all. We, we have got to send the message that we will not stand for it anymore, and, and we need to hit these people where it hurts. Yes, exactly. And how can we do that? I mean, you mentioned civil disobedience. You mentioned protests. You referred to Martin Luther King Jr. and talked about the boycotts. kind of activity he engaged. Excuse uh, me? How about a boycott? How about a national strike by the 99% who are getting screwed by the 1%? Mm-hmm. You know, it, the, mm-hmm. the point is, you know, you go to France, you go to Spain. You, you, these people are used to, to setting the agenda. The protesting. By, Going out yes. into the streets and letting people know we're not going to put up with it anymore. Yeah, and we yes. we've become a lot a bunch of wusses in this country. You know, yes. think of during the civil rights movement. If people just said, "Oh, gee, there's so much money aligned against us, and so many powerful people, we better just stay in our places," it never would have happened. The labor movement. Look at the money that was uh, lined up against people who were fighting for all the rights that were given to the American working people because of the labor movement. They didn't take no for an answer. They went out and they they did whatever it took. The anti-slavery movement, the women's suffrage movement, nobody was, those people weren't waiting to elect the right people to do the job for them. The job is the job of every American citizen. And activism needs to be a creed. No longer just sitting by your television set letting your brain turn to mush. Right. Get out, get organized, build community again. Build a sense of community Indeed. by working with other people. And yes. if there's not already an organization in place, go set it up. It's not rocket science. Yeah, That's I was right. tired of exactly. hearing everybody around here talk about you know the corrupting influence of money. So I started an organization called Reclaim Our Republic, we're bringing people in across the political spectrum. We have Tea Partiers, we have Socialists, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Greens, Justice Party members. We have Libertarians. 
we have people coming together and agreeing, okay, we'll set aside all our other differences that people use to divide us, and on this issue, we are aligned and we're going to get after it. Yes, God bless. That is wonderful. What is the uh, website for that? Uh, it's. I know we've got a Facebook page and they're developing a website. I'm not sure the website is oh, okay, yet, but it's but it's okay. reclaim reclaim our republic. Okay. It's so funny because another uh, gentleman that I had on as a guest uh, a couple of times is named Sam Daly Harris, whose book is called Reclaiming Our Democracy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, he gives a step-by-step uh, kind of almost a recipe about how to um, gently but firmly infiltrate the halls of Congress and your congressmen and to press for meetings, face-to-face meetings, not teleconference town hall meetings online, but face-to-face meetings in Washington and in their home districts and demand those personal meetings and demand that one's agenda is heard. And it's with a persistence that just knows no end, according to the way uh, Sam Daly Harris uh, spells out. So it's interesting. (laughs) However you put it, reclaim our republic and reclaim our democracy ends up to be the same thing. Well, of course it is. Uh, Because as we can see, when when you wipe out the courts, when you wipe out the legislatures and you hand it all over to the multinational corporate sector as if there's some sovereign state that's going to substitute for those who are supposed to be representing the American people's interest, you yes. you you lose it all. You lose your democracy. Yes, yes. You you lose the important protections of separation of powers and, and checks and balances. Checks and exactly. balances, my God, these people are sitting in behind closed doors negotiating away all of our interests and rights. It's just yes, unbelievable. Exactly. I'm not saying all of them, so, but, I, but all of these that we've so been talking many of them. about well, you know, today and, and more. What we're looking at, of course, is it's actually a global phenomenon, of course, because we're particularly interested in the sovereignty of the American people and because we, we are Americans and we live here. Um, but this treaty also... Um, allows for that same relationship of hierarchy of 600 advisors who have no legal, you know, otherwise legal standing as our representatives, none. And yet our government, our the sacredness of our government is subject to and subordinated to their decision-making, their will. And it's not just, this is my point, it's the, it's of the USA, but it's all of every single other nation on the planet, which means if you decide that, you know what, I don't want to fight this battle here in the United States anymore. It's a, it's a bunch of suckers. It's a bunch of, you know, young people who would rather... Um, text each other all day long and play on Facebook uh, or, as you were saying before, watch the football game 
and somebody may say, you know, I think I'm going to go to another country and retire there or start a business there, and uh, that's what I want to do. Well, every other nation is going to be subject to the same thing. So well, it's almost like every other country is a party to it. Uh, there are 11 other nations that are parties, but um, yes. other nations are certainly going to be impacted by all of this, yes. and uh, right. other countries can later sign on to this uh, yes. if, if they're interested in, in destroying whatever democracy they have in right. their country as That's well. That's a good point. It, it, yes. it, 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 it's just horrendous, and... Uh, we need to recognize it and we need to stand up. And we need to understand also that it's absolutely unprecedented. It's not just another, yet another trade agreement that we can yawn our way through and let Congress have their way with us. We need to stand up against it. We need to contact, we need to not just send letters, but we need to get in the faces of, of members of Congress and let them know there is going to be real pushback. They're going to pay a heavy exactly. political price if they bargain away our interests and our rights. I'm going to have to run here. Fast track. Exactly. Rocky yep. Anderson, thanks so much for being part of our roundtable today on TPP and weighing in with your so thoughtful and brilliant comments and uh, your, your sense of character and integrity have come across yet again, and I deeply appreciate your contribution. Well, thank you, Mitchell. And what you're doing to help get the word out is so absolutely crucial because without – that kind of communication, we're, we're, we're lost because we're certainly not seeing a lot of it in our mainstream media. I had the same experience when the TPP negotiators were in Salt Lake City, uh, a, a very brilliant local television reporter. I've known him for years, uh -huh. very well informed, came up to me and said, what is this Trans-Pacific Partnership thing about anyway? <laughs> so we got a lot of work to do, and thank you We've for got a lot of work get out to do. the work. Well, I really appreciate thanks it. Thanks for helping. Great talking yes, to you. Thank you so much, Rocky, and helping me get this word out. Thanks again, and we'll talk another time. Wow, I hope you've all really digested this because uh, the importance of it cannot be underestimated or overestimated. I should say. Truly, it's, uh, it's of the most serious of agreements and uh, types of legislation that has come down the pike. Of course, we have uh, the Keystone XL pipeline and others. There are many others, by the way, folks. Don't be thrown. It's not just one. It's dozens and dozens of tar sands conveyance that have to be dealt with. We are facing very serious things here locally in New York State and New York City and New Jersey and Pennsylvania uh, regarding fracking and issues of that sort. The climate issue uh, is just completely at the top of the list because it means a degradation of our, the entirety of our ecosystem and it's of okay. It's, of course, begun, and we've already passed tipping points. And if the reason this agreement is important, because if it were to actually get passed, uh, that would further accelerate the environmental damage that so many of us for so long 
have been doing everything we can to slow down and reverse through the use of renewable resources and renewable energy systems, which have proven, it's not speculative, have proven to be a full and complete and total placement for coal, fossil fuel, and business as usual. Germany is the greatest exemplar as a sovereign nation of all, and others are just behind it, including, ironically, the United States. There are wind farms, there are solar farms, there are more solar um, installations taking place on, on family roofs across this country. There are remarkable things happening. There are electric motor companies that are developing and getting stronger and more robust literally by the day. And there is uh, the use of hydropower and the use of geothermal and the use of tidal power and oceanic power. I mean, truly, the list goes on and the technologies are becoming more and more online, useful, practical, and intelligent. Is there conversation in media about these? Not much. Not as much as there needs to be. But even despite that, there are actions taking place by businesses that are smart enough to recognize the green revolution, the green progression. That's really what it is. And they are there, and they are already making money by not destroying, but working uh, basically harmoniously and sustainably with Earth's natural abundance without having to rip into her skin and destroy. So... With that said, I want to just thank you all and reiterate the importance of this Trans-Pacific uh, partnership and realize that you are only going to be hearing pious glosses on the uh, standard news media. You'll be hearing about there's a word that seems to have a mesmerizing hypnotic effect beyond all others. I'm I've remarked on this before, and I'm, I find it virtually hilarious. All you have to do is say, ready? Jobs. This bill means jobs, everybody. Jobs. And nothing could be further from the truth. It means jobs, all right, but not here. It means low-paying jobs, where the lowest wages across the world are paid. That's where jobs will be showing up. Jobs that do not need education and where people have no unions and have almost no rights. So I guess maybe they're not lying. It is jobs. Just not a job for you or anyone else on this continent. So Please remember you are being deceived. 
you are being deceived by some of the finest actors called politicians and called the captains of industry. They don't even come to the table. They're behind the scenes. They don't want to show their faces. And I wish that through discussion, rational negotiation, that we could come to the place internationally where we need to be forming true partnerships that are win-win scenarios. And I will tell you the truth. I continue to nurture that vision of a future where we are not making enemies out of corporations or their CEOs or, you know, C-levels. That's not what we're doing. We're actually engaging in a rehabilitative kind of conversation. I guess I would have to say something like that because this wish to uh, destroy at any cost for the purposes of power, money, and control is an illness, pathology. And it's become the new normal. And it's not being seen as the pathology that it truly is. There was never a time where money should have ever superseded the importance of the preciousness of not just human life, but all life. Yet, we live in a world where human life and all sentient life is completely subordinated to the almighty dollar and soon it might be the almighty yuan if things keep going this way or ruble for that matter. And uh, we are living in a very dark time amidst the possibility of so much potential heaven, so much height and paradise, so much potential joy and bliss. We have the operating system for it. We have the blueprint for it. We have the DNA for it. We even have the aspiration for it. So, new, as we say in Chinese and Yiddish, what's the story? So, I will end today's show with a quote that I have in all of my emails as part of my signature. And it's that wonderful, famous quote by Margaret Mead. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Thank you so much for joining me, Mitchell J. Rabin, for A Better World. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. We're always able to be heard in archive, abetterworld.tv, where you can listen, or on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, also, please know that we're on television here in New York City, Every Monday night at 7 p.m., if you live in Manhattan, you can listen and watch on television. If you're outside Manhattan, you can still watch by simply going to abetterworld.tv and clicking at the top where it says, watch here, 7 o'clock Mondays. And then we are on Progressive Radio Network 
every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 3 p.m. on Film Hour, Progressive Film Hour with Mitchell Rabin, where we feature a different film every week, usually on uh, socially relevant subjects and environmental issues. So we've done a lot on environmental issues and we'll continue to do same. So thanks again for joining. Join our newsletter, and I look forward to seeing you all next.